I hate when they have videos that are funnier than my message. <laughs> well, what the message we're not trying to send is that um, you, need, you need a team to beat somebody up. All right? That's not the message this morning. But there is things we cannot do on our own. And one of those is church. One of those is church. I want to tell you a story. When I was, I must have been 17, I believe, I was singing in a, in a youth choir in Germany called Chorleit. And we, we toured all over Germany, and, and our tour director was from Norway. And so he arranged for us to go on a tour of Norway and, and sing there. And on one of our um, legs, we were going from Oslo, the capital, to some other town. Uh, it was a long bus ride, and we stopped at a rest stop. And so we all got out, and you know, I went to the restroom. It's what you do at a rest stop. And, um, and after a while, I got back out, and the bus was gone. And the whole choir, music, everybody gone. First, I thought, this, this is a joke. They're, um, you know, they're, they're pulling a prank on me or something. But after half an hour, an hour, an hour and a half, I, I started to wonder, did they forget me? And it turned out they had. Every time when we got back on the bus, you know, the, the, the choir director, Egil was his name, he, he would go and say, everybody here, look around, left, right, everybody there that's supposed to be here. And apparently everybody must have said yes, because they took off. And they didn't notice until they got to their destination several hours later. Nobody noticed I was missing, which might tell you something about my singing abilities. <laughs> if in a choir you're not missed, but um, I tell you, that didn't feel very good because nobody noticed I was gone. Obviously, nobody f felt I was important enough or felt close enough to me to, to notice that I wasn't there. I know that many of you walk through life like that, feeling that nobody notices that you're not there. I know many of you feel like that at church. Maybe, maybe you feel like that here this morning, feeling that people just don't notice when you're not there. Or maybe worse, they, they don't notice even when you are there. Feeling insignificant, lonely, and alone. I don't want to see any hands, but... Any of you feel that way? Anybody feel like that here this morning? You know, we live in a society that, that really almost encourages us to live increasingly anonymous, doesn't it? I mean, you can do almost anything out of the privacy of your home. You know, you might go to work, sit in your cubicle, get back home, but I mean, we can do anything from home now, can't we? We shop from home, we, um, we, we drive through at the bank, we, we play on our computer instead of meeting with friends. We even make friends on the, on the computer, on, on Facebook. Anybody my Facebook friend here? Yay! See? We live in an increasingly anonymous society. And almost all of, of modern day marvels and new inventions lead us to more and more isolation rather than community. A couple of years back, there was a news story in Germany about a lady who was found dead in her apartment. What was newsworthy about that is that when, when she was found, it was discovered that she had been dead sitting in her living room chair with a running TV, apparently for six months. The only reason why it was noticed is because the neighbors couldn't stand the smell anymore. 
Nobody noticed. No family members. Apparently no friends missed her. No neighbors took enough interest to realize that they hadn't seen her in six months. Can you imagine that funeral? One lonely funeral. But you know what's worse than a lonely funeral? It's a lonely life. And a lot of us live it. You and I, we were made and we need community. We were made for and need community. We need intimate relationships to survive. Do you know what we've talked about community quite a bit this last year? As I've looked through our messages, we've talked about you needing community quite a bit. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. But I want to focus on another aspect of community this morning a little more. And that is not just that you need community, but that the community here at K2 needs you. You need community, and this community needs you. Often here at K2, we refer to community as doing life together. You've heard us talk about that? Doing life together? Yeah? Who knows what that means? See, a few hands, thanks. Four of you, that's great. Um, See, I get these blank looks that I just got often when I talk to some of you. Some that are new to K2 and we start getting to know each other and I, I ask you, you know, so are you, are you doing life together with somebody? And I get this. <laughs> Meaning, what are you talking about? <laughs> I get this blank look. Oftentimes, we don't know anymore. What do we mean with doing life together? Because it's not normal anymore. We, it's not normal for us to live in a way where we, where we share our joys and our struggles and our victories with other people. And it, it really needs to be relearned. I met, I met somebody here recently and we're, we're becoming friends. And uh, when I first talked to him and talked to him about being connected at K2 and I invited him to our Life Together group, which is what we call our small groups, call them Life Together groups. I said, hey man, why don't, you, why don't you come and join us for our Life Together group on Sunday nights? You know what he said to me? And he, he gave me permission to share this. He said, Christian, I haven't had a friend in decades. I don't even know what being in a relationship looks like. He said, you don't want me in your group. I'm socially handicapped. Anybody else feel like that? That you, just, you don't even know how to be in close relationships anymore, how to live in community, and that you feel like you don't even want me there? I want to tell you, we, we want you there. But I know that a lot of you feel this way. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the adventure of connecting. And just recently, I talked about, about the whole issue of connecting to our crash course, our membership class. And you know, when, when we talk about it there, we don't call it the adventure of connecting, we call it the challenge of connecting. And an adventure always is a challenge, otherwise it wouldn't be an adventure. But what does a challenge mean? It, calling something a challenge implies that this is not easy. Being in close, meaningful relationships is a challenge. And apparently it needs to be relearned. So this morning, we're going to have a community rehab class. And we're going to discover together what does it really mean? What does the Bible tell us about being in community? What are the ingredients of community the way God intended it to be? And maybe you and I together can, 
can relearn what community means. And maybe we can, we can get you back into meaningful community. So let me pray before we do that. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word and thank you that you have revealed yourself in your word and that you in yourself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are a community and you've created us for community with you and for community with each other so that our relationship with you is lived out in our relationships with each other here. Lord, I pray that this morning we, we would start again to get a glimpse of what you have in mind when you talk about community that we are supposed to have with each other. Pray that you would light a fire in us again with a desire to connect and build meaningful relationships with, with one another. Let's pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I want to talk about four ingredients to community this morning that are, that are necessary and important for us to have if we, are, if we are going to have meaningful relationships with each other the way God intended them. And the first ingredient we're going to talk about is love. Yeah, lovey-dovey sounds a little cheesy maybe, but love is the number one ingredient that we need to have. And it's probably not the kind of love that you, that you think about when you first hear that word. Jesus says this to his disciples on his last evening with them. In John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, he says this. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. In verse 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. A new command I give you, love one another. When I, when I read this, every time it just strikes me that, that he calls this a command. He says, love one another. Just, just love one another. It'd be like me going up to my wife you know, when, when I proposed to her and say, you love me. Now, here's a ring. I mean, the way we know love, it just doesn't work that way. Anybody tried that before? If you have, let me know how that worked out because I'd really like to know. Because sometimes I'd like to just say it. But he said, I command you to love one another. And he doesn't say, love those who are like you or love those who dress like you, who vote like you, who, who think like you or those that agree with you. He just says, Love one another. It's my command to you. Love one another. How can you command love? You know why he can command love? Because he's not telling them to feel a certain way. He's not telling them, hey, John, feel really cozy and, and fuzzy about Peter here, please. He's not telling them to feel a certain way. He's telling them to live a certain way. Jesus is talking about making a decision to live sacrificially, to live giving, to live in a way that seeks others, that seeks their interest above their own. That's what he's telling them to do. He's telling them to live a certain way. He's telling them to set certain priorities and make certain decisions in their lives that will affect the people around them. Can you imagine being part of a community that actually does that? that actually lives that out, that lives to give to each other, to sacrifice for one another, to think about the other one before your, yourself. 
And can you imagine being part of that community and, and have somebody be in need? Can you imagine being part of that kind of community and somebody feel ignored and lonely and unwanted? I can't imagine if we were actually to live that out that this is how people would feel here. You see, the key is not to get in community to just receive love. Now, there's times in our lives where we, where we are and need to be in a receiving mode. That's all right. But we can't, we can't come to community with the underlying, underlying motive to receive and get. He's telling them, you live, don't, don't it re, just receive love, love one another and live that out. Make decisions that reflect that. Well, I want to be part of a community like that. And you know what? I feel like I am. I feel like I am here. You need community, but this community needs you, and it needs you acting out your love for others. That's what we need. Love is, is the number one first ingredient. The second ingredient that the Bible tells us about is commitment. It's commitment to community. The writer of Hebrews says this in chapter 10, verse 25. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. It says, let us not give up meeting together. So again, loving each other also is, is a commitment. It's not a feeling. And love is a... Sorry, lost my train of thought. The, the commitment, again, that we're talking about here is not a commitment... Sorry. I'm totally, totally lost my track of thought. The commitment that he's talking about here is a commitment to community. It's, it's a commitment to, to be in each other's lives, whether it's convenient, whether it feels good or not. It's a commitment to doing life together, even if and especially when it gets hard and when it becomes inconvenient. Our Life Together group meets Sunday night at our home. And Sundays are really... Tough and long days for me oftentimes. You know, we, I get up this morning, got up at 5.30 to come here and go back over things and still lose my train of thought. <laughs> but <laughs> early days and then, you know, you speak twice and it really takes it out of you. When I come home Sundays, I'm just, I'm just a vegetable. I'm just emotionally and often spiritually drained and gives me a good excuse to lay on the couch and watch NFL. But, um, <laughs> but they're, they're really long days and I'm pretty much done when, when I come home. And then at 6 o'clock, like there looms life together group and oftentimes I lay there in the afternoon on Sundays and think oh man I just, I just want to relax I just want to chill and, and just, just rest this evening and oftentimes there is that impulse of, oh man I wish can we maybe move it somewhere else or, or, but then when it happens when our life together people show up at 6 o'clock with their yummy food for potluck and, and we start sitting around the table and we start sharing stories of what went on this week and then at 7 o'clock we sit down with kids running all over the place and we start talking about the message and they pick me apart every Sunday and, and we, we start discovering, okay, well, how does what we talk... And we, we get into each other's lives and, and we pray together. I tell you, without exception, without exception on a Sunday night when I finally then kick him out of my house at 9 o'clock... It's like, man, I'm so glad we did this. I am so glad we did this, even though I didn't really feel like it and I was really tired and it didn't feel convenient. 
But there is yet to be a Sunday when they leave when I don't feel enriched. And that wouldn't happen if we weren't committed to making it happen. Committed to meeting on Sunday night at 6 o'clock at our house. It's a commitment. Again, it doesn't always feel great at first. It doesn't feel convenient. There's a lot of excuses that I, that I could come up with every Sunday. But when we follow through on that commitment, it is such a blessing that we receive from the community with those people. Another verse that talks about the commitment to community is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 47. And we're going to use that for the rest of this message as, as our outline. It's, it describes the, the community of the church early on, right after Jesus left them, right after Pentecost, when really that's the birthday of, of the church. This is how, how their community is described. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." So I want to draw your attention to, to a couple of different words and, and verses in here. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to, so to, to the teaching of God's word, and to fellowship. They were devoted to fellowship with each other, devoted to community. And then in verse 46, every day they continued to meet together. They devoted themselves to this. Devoted, I looked up that word. What, what does that mean today? What did it mean back then? What, what does the word devoted really mean and entail? And this is how it's defined. To be devoted or to have devotion means to have profound dedication to something. Profound dedication or an earnest attachment to a cause or a person. Profound dedication. I want to ask you, do you feel profoundly dedicated to your community here within this body of believers, this church, K2? Do you have a profound sense of dedication to being in community? Do you feel you're earnestly connected and attached to relationships here at K2? Because the Bible is very clear that that is what God wants for you and from us. And it's something he wants, he wants to give us. It's not something that's just going to happen and, 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 and happen by itself. It will happen if you make a decision to be committed to being in community. The devotion that he's talking about here in Acts 2 will come out of your obedience to making a commitment. A commitment to live a life that's, that's characterized by love and a commitment to making community happen, even when it doesn't feel like, like it and, and when it isn't convenient. Making a commitment to each other. And oftentimes when I, you know, I'm responsible for our Life Together ministry here at K2. So I constantly talk to people that I meet and ask, are you in a Life Together group? Are you, con- are you, on, a, are you on a service team? I, do you feel connected in whatever way that can happen? Do you have significant relationships here within this body of believers that, that help you grow as a person and, and as a follower of Jesus? And you know what the number one responses I get? 
What would your response be? Think about that for a second. The number one response I get is, I just don't have time. You know what? I tried that on somebody last week. I was up in Kensington in Detroit, the, the mothership, mother church of K2. And I met with somebody I had never met with before, ever. A counselor, he was just trying to help me uh, find my role and, and, and my gifts. And so, so we met together. And, uh, and he asked me, interestingly enough, about exercising. He says, are you exercising enough? And I looked at him like, okay, that's not what I expected. But um, I said, ah, I just don't have time. Okay, he never, he's never laid eyes on me before, so I don't know why he would ask me even about exercise. But he, he didn't know me from Adam. You know what he said when I said I just don't have time? He said, no, that's not true. It's not important. And you know what? He was right. If something is important, we'll make the time for it. And yes, honey, I will exercise more. Um, if we, I would say that the excuse of I don't have time to be in a group or I don't have time to be, in, be connected at K2 that might be true for 0.1% of you. Maybe. But I guarantee you that for 99.9% of you, if you are not in significant relationships here, it really comes down to that it isn't that important to you. That it is not a priority because if it was, you would make it happen. You would pursue it. And, and you know what? Maybe you have and, and it didn't work out. Well, hopefully we can talk about that some. But it is a question of priority and commitment. If it's a priority, you will commit yourself to it and pursue it. And it takes your initiative. I can't force you in a Life Together group. I could try, but I don't think that'll work. It takes your initiative, your decision, and your commitment. And a few weeks ago, we talked about, God, what were you thinking about his whole plan for creating us? We talked about that part, a large part of his purpose for us is to be in relationships. We were made for relationships. And it's part of his purpose for us. And it is essential to our growth as a follower of Jesus. Remember the video, a few things you can't do alone. You will not grow spiritually beyond a certain point in isolation. It will not happen. It will not happen. And your experience of God on a daily basis, part of God's design is that your experience of him comes through the rest of us. That's why we're called the body of Christ. We represent Jesus. And part of your experience of God on a daily basis is through the rest of us. As crazy as that sounds. But if you're not in community, if you're not committed to being in community with other followers of Jesus, you will miss out on a lot of what God wants you to experience with him. And being committed to community, again, requires your initiative. So please don't wait for somebody to come and put their arm around your shoulder and invite you to their group. I, I wish that would happen more, and I think it will But this is your invitation. You are invited into community at K2. You are invited into our Life Together groups. You are invited onto our service teams where where real community can begin to happen. So please take the initiative. Even today when you leave here, go to the Life Together table. And soon our new website will roll out and you'll be able to look at the Life Together groups that are there. And if you don't find one, talk to me and we'll create one. We want you to be in community, but it takes your decision and your commitment to make that happen. You need community. 
And this community needs you. This community needs your acts of love. And this community needs your commitment. So that the rest of us can also grow spiritually. The third ingredient, and again, it comes out of this Acts 2 passage. The third essential ingredient to biblical community is worship. Let's look again at Acts 2. Let's put that whole passage up again. Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. I'm going to read it again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was, well, actually, skip down to verse 47 um, or 46. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So when I said worship, you probably thought, oh, we're going to get up and sing. No. Worship is not just singing. Worship is, uh, singing is one expression of worship. When I, when I talk about worship being an essential ingredient of our community, I'm talking about meaningful spiritual components. It doesn't mean every time you get together with, with a group of people from K2, you need, to, you need to have a prayer meeting or you need to grab a guitar and, and sing Kumbaya. What it means is that, that, see, worship is more than all that. Worship is our lives honoring Jesus. That's worship. And so what I, when I mean worship needs to be part of our community, what I mean is that, that the underlying purpose and the ultimate goal and result of any community that takes place should be that you grow closer to Jesus and into a life that honors God. And that can happen whether you have a continue the conversation group on Sunday night where you talk about the message or you have a play night where you play poker with chips, okay, with, with plastic chips or whatever community you have. But that ultimately that you're being together and doing life together will lead in each one of you being challenged in your faith and grow through your community with each other. That's what I mean with worship being part of our community. Now, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, I'm not an apostle, but I'm teaching this morning. So what that, what that means is being devoted to God's word and, and learning from it, prayer, praising God. All those are part of that. But community is not complete until it has a spiritual component. And again, it doesn't mean every time you get together that needs to be a, a, you know, an agenda, a bullet point. But it needs to be part of your purpose for community. And I want to tell you, if you are in my Life Together group and you're invited, then I will tell you, I will be committed to have a vested interest in your spiritual growth and in your spiritual well-being and that there would be progress. And for those of you that are in my group, who's in my group here? I hope that if you are in my group, that you have a vested interest in my spiritual growth. Even as a pastor, I need to grow just as much as any of you do. And that needs to be part of every, every community that we're in. Because in this community is where we can really get to know each other, where we can really, really know each other to the point where we can challenge each other on certain issues, where we can encourage each other in areas of potential growth, where we can learn from each other's experience. That can only happen if we know each other and if we open our lives to one another. So if you want to grow spiritually... And you're here this morning, so I'm assuming you, you are interested in, in spirituality and in, and in growing in your faith. If you want to grow, 
you have got to find a community that will have a vested interest in your life, in you personally, and in your spiritual growth, and in helping you become a more devoted follower of Jesus. So if you want to grow spiritually, you need community. And this community, this church, needs you because we want to grow spiritually. And you have a unique contribution to make to the spiritual development and growth of this body of believers. You need community, and this community needs you. The last ingredient that I want to talk about is one that we value very, very much here at K2. Not that we don't value the other ones. I guess we value them all. But this one is one that, to me, sets K2 apart from a lot of other communities that I've been involved in. And that last ingredient is authenticity. Authenticity. Let's go back to Acts 2, 42 through 47. Let's skip down to verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And they had everything in common. That's pretty, that's pretty open, being pretty open with each other. In verse 46, they, they met in their homes and ate together with glad, and this is really what I want to zero in on, with glad and sincere hearts. They met together in their homes with sincere hearts. When I read this, it sounds to me like there was, there was unbelievable unity and community to take place. To feel safe, to share everything you have and have everything in common. Wow, that's, that's being pretty open with each other. When you think, now, we, we can't go into this morning, is this something that the church today should do? It's a different cultural background. We don't have the time to, to get into all that. But there was an, in, an immense, intense openness to one another. They met in each other's homes. They, they opened their private spaces for each other. And again, they had sincere hearts. And again, I, I looked up this word sincere, the little, little word study on that. What did that mean in the Greek? And what does it mean today? Sincere means this. To have a sincere heart means it is free of deceit, free of hypocrisy or falseness. It is genuine and it is real. Having sincere hearts, free of deceit, hypocrisy, falseness, genuine and real. When I read this in Acts 2, it seems to me they were real with each other. They were honest. They were transparent with each other. And you know what that is? It's dangerous. It's dangerous and it's risky. Larry Crabb is a Christian author. He was a, or is a, a clinical psychologist and counselor. He wrote a book several years back called The Safest Place on Earth. He was talking about how the church should be the safest place on earth for people to be real and transparent. Nah, that didn't work out so well, did it? Oftentimes it didn't work out so well. I've been around church communities where so much hurt is going around where people being transparent and real is taken advantage of. And maybe you have experienced that. You know when that happens? That happens when some are transparent and others aren't and can't handle the transparency and it's being taken advantage of and being abused. So Larry Kebb wrote another book later on called Connecting. And again, he's a, he's a clinical psychologist, so he spent his lifetime counseling people, helping them make decisions, helping, he, helping heal wounds that life and others have inflicted on them. 
And then he wrote a book connecting where he completely reevaluated everything he had done. He said, you know what I have found? Is that my advice can help, but it can't heal. And he has found that the only thing that really starts the healing process is when people are genuinely connecting their lives with others in a way where there is transparency and that is handled in a gracious and loving way. That when meaningful relationships take place, the way God intended them, that healing can actually take place. And he, he had an interesting theory in that book that really struck me. You know how, how you get a first impression of people sometimes? And that first impression sometimes like, okay, all right, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time together. You know, and I've had lots of experience like this, and I'm sure lots of people had with me. I can't remember specifically when I used to go to Christian camps. You know, and you really quickly, you scan. You said, ah, cool guy. Mm, nah. You know, and you make a judgment first, based on first impressions. And, and you decide who you want to be with and who you don't want to be with. I had a guy like that in the Bible school that actually Sandrine and I met, with, met in. His name was Daniel Sachs, a Swiss guy, Jewish descent. And uh, he couldn't have been more different from me. <laughs> Than he, than he was. He, I was the, the cocky athlete and, you know, always the life of the party. And, and he was a concert pianist. He always, like every day, walked around with, with a, a, like a suit jacket and, and a collared shirt. And always, I mean, just, you know, we'd say, hey, Daniel, you want to come play volleyball? No, I can't, my hands. And I just thought, what a loser. <laughs> and, and I said, okay, not going to be my friend. Horrible, I know, horrible. But, we, you know, we, we do that. But you know what? It was a really small school. There were very few people, and we were kind of forced <laughs> into relationship and to get to know each other. And you know what? Daniel Sachs became one of my closest friends at the time. Now, we've lost touch a little bit, but he's actually the godfather of one of our children, Clara. Um, and we became best friends. You know why? Because we gave each other a chance and really broke through that first impression. And this is what Larry Crabb said in his book. He said, the first impressions that turn us off from people and turn us away from community with them, it's almost never the real them. It's the mask that they feel they need to put on to be accepted. He says, if we, if we give people a chance to get be, below that mask, everybody's likable. And everybody, you can have community be with anybody if we're just willing and create a safe environment where people are, are willing and dare to take those masks off and show the real self and be authentic. And I don't know about you, I've found that to be true. That if I really give people a chance, they are likable. You know, when I first met Dave Nelson, no, just kidding. <laughs> you know, and again, being authentic, taking that mask off, you've probably tried that before and, and it backfired. And if that happened here at K2, I just want to tell you, I want to apologize and ask your forgiveness. Because our prayer as a leadership here at K2 is that this would be the safest place on earth for you to be authentic, for you to be who you really are and who God made you to be. And that doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything all the time. But it means we're real with each other. And yes, again, there's risk involved. And, and there's dangers. 
But the freedom that comes from taking off that mask and living authentically is worth those risks. Because I've lived with that mask and I needed to be this, this cocky athlete that I pretended to be because I thought that's, that's going to help people like me. It's exhausting to keep that up. Any of you exhausted of, of playing a game and of pretending to be somebody you're not so that people will like you and then they end up not liking you for the mask that you're wearing? I pray that K2 would be the safest place on earth for you to take off your mask and be real, be authentic. That can only happen. That can only happen if you come into community to love, to be committed, to, to give spiritual input, and to be authentic. You need authentic community. And this community needs you to be authentic. If we are going to grow. Ephesians 4.16 says this, and we've quoted this a couple of times, I know this last year, but it's really, really important in this context. Ephesians 4.16 says, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So what it's talking about, for us to be the body of Christ, to really function as the community that we're intended to be, we need you. We need you to be the part that God created you to be. And this morning, he created me to be the mouth. He's created our connections team to, to, to be the hand that serves you coffee and, and the, the parking lot guys to be the cart that drives you to the door. And you have a part to play. I, I don't know what you were created to do, a lot of you. Maybe you're another hand. Maybe you're a ligament, a foot, an eye. I don't know. But you are an important part for this body of, of followers of Jesus. And for us to be the community that he wants us to be, we need you to be in that place. We need you to be connected here so that we can experience community to its fullest. And by you not taking the initiative to seek out to be connected here, I am and the rest of us are missing out. We're missing out on what you have to offer to this community. But you are also missing out. You're missing out on, on feeling connected, on being an important part of this community, and, and you're missing out on, on being blessed back by the rest of us. So, so if you're considering this morning again maybe, or for the first time to say, okay, I'm going to take the initiative. I'm going to try this again or for the first time and, and really get connected. I just have one request of you. Do not do it with the attitude of, well, let's see what I can get out of this. Please don't do it. That attitude, coming into community with that attitude is a death sentence to that community. Don't come with that. Come with this question. What can I give? What can I, I contribute how can I give of myself in this community? And I guarantee you, this, this, this is a backward biblical principle. By you coming, wanting to give, I promise and guarantee you, you will receive. Come with the question, what can I give? What is my part? How can I give my life away here?
How can I get connected in community? And you will receive. I started out by telling you the story about me being left behind in Norway. It sounded kind of romantic, didn't it? I wasn't missed by anybody. Nobody noticed I wasn't there. And again, maybe, maybe that is how you feel here at K2. You don't show up on a given Sunday, Sunday and, and really nobody cares. You feel that way. Nobody notices you're not here. And you know what? I got to tell you, at a church of this size, you will not be missed unless you are in community, unless you are in a Life Together group or you're on a service team. That's just an ugly truth about a church of the size of K2. If you don't show up, you will not be missed unless you're connected in a Life Together group or in a service team. And let me tell you this, we want to miss you when you're not here. But we can only miss you if we know you in the first place. And we can only know you if you're willing to take that risky step of taking the initiative and stepping into community with us. So as the band comes up, I want to challenge you and ask you to consider to go with us on this 50-day adventure that I guess it's a 43-day adventure at this point because we started last week. If relationships and community connection is, is what you're struggling with, I just want to encourage you to, to maybe consider again today to, to make that commitment. Get one of these bracelets, K2's 50-day adventure, just as a reminder for yourself of the commitment that you're making. And then give community, give relationships here at K2 another chance. Give us a chance to know you. And then take the initiative. Get, uh, go out there. Go to the Life Together table. Put it on your connections card here, on your, on your contact info. If that's what you want. If you want to get connected, let us know. But take the initiative in letting us know. Take the initiative in pursuing that. Because God does not want you to live your life with him in isolation. He's placed us here to be your community and to help you grow and allow you to help us grow. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, again, I, I thank you, Lord, so much for, for the community that you have blessed me with here. Thank you for the for everyone in our Life Together group, in my SOAP group, my Bible study group, all the guys and people in, in my life who challenge me and encourage me and allow me to encourage and challenge them. Thank you, Lord, for the meaningful relationships you've blessed me with. And I just pray, Lord, that, that those that are here this morning who have been hurt in church, maybe here in K2, by by being transparent and that not, not being handled well. But I pray that you would heal. And I pray, Lord, that, that every person that comes through the doors here at K2 would sense your presence, Lord, and would get into meaningful relationships that would help us grow, grow in our relationship with you, Lord, and grow closer to you. So I pray that you would give people the, the boldness today to step back out and take the initiative again and, 
and seek to get connected. And, and I pray that for all of us, Lord, you would continuously give us the courage to take off our masks, to be who we really are, and be vulnerable and allow others into our lives. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.